Hey, welcome to Sunny Grodend, a podcast about songwriting. Scooter Brown, a successful talent manager and entrepreneur, went on record on the Ask Gary V show answering a question about how to best get noticed by A&R people of labels and getting signed. He said that getting signed shouldn't be priority for you as a musician, at all. And yeah, the general consensus in the industry right now seems to be that it's as easy and affordable as it ever was to reach a large audience as an independent artist. The reasons that are mostly cited for this are that the mainstream distribution platforms, like streaming services and online stores, are accessible to virtually everyone. Also, a decent setup to make your own music can cost you below 1k by now, depending on what you want to do, of course. So the entry barrier is way lower than it was just two decades ago. If hardware and distribution platforms are not your worry, why aren't you putting out music yet? Maybe you fear not having the skills to make your music actually sound good. And in this episode I want to talk about exactly that. That quality is a very relative term and your music might just benefit from sounding raw. One of the biggest genres to emerge from this new, more level playing field is quote-unquote emo trap. A new wave of hip-hop music deeply influenced by various punk or metal bands. A constant in the scene is a strong DIY mindset and technology enables the artist to maintain this. Software to make your own beats is cheap or even free. An audio interface is not a huge investment and the same goes for headsets and a microphone. One of the other things that makes this genre unique is how the songs are written. The Austrian rapper Young Hearn said in an interview with Arte that he doesn't like lyrics that take longer than 10 minutes to write. They are too thought out otherwise, he said. Another example of this is the rapper Juice World, who is probably one of the most successful artists in the genre. His latest album Death Race for Love was recorded in just four days and a lot of the songs on the album were even written in the recording stages. On Twitter he also stated his independence as a songwriter, echoing the DIY mindset. I don't need anyone to write shit for me. I've reset my whole motherfucking album by myself. Not knocking on any writers or artists who have them, but I just can't sit here and not get the credit I deserve. The thing that really sticks with me here is that the genre has a certain immediacy to it. Even though the lyrics of the song don't make sense, and even if the sound is not up to the standards you might have, there was an urge to create these songs and to get them out. And now, you can upload your songs to SoundCloud, Bandcamp and other platforms to get it to potentially millions of listeners who might connect with that. And this genre is not a small scene. Juice WRLD's Death Race for Love topped the Billboard charts when it came out. The same goes for associated acts like Post Malone or Lil Uzi Vert, and the genre has a steady representation in the top 10. While that sounds cool, you might say, I'm not a rapper, I want to make super aggressive guitar music. And yeah, you're right, recording a whole band is a bit more complicated. You cannot rely on VSTs and samples as much. But there is an argument that if you can play your instrument decently, you probably are already ready to record and release. Sure, if you don't want to use electronic drums and record directly from amps, the entry barrier is definitely higher financially than it is for more computer-based genres. But still, you can do a lot of the work yourself and the equipment is also pretty cheap these days. The upsides to a raw sound here are pretty much the same as in hip-hop. Think of it that way. Every change you make after the recording process removes the piece of music from the initial performance and that in and of itself can already be part of your intent. If your music sounds raw, the guitars are not completely locked into the drums and the snare sound is a bit too loud, it just makes your music more human. A good example for this is Suicide Silence's self-titled album from 2017. The album was received to mixed receptions at best, but from the reactions of the band members you can clearly tell that this album was an important release for the band. What stood out especially is that it doesn't sound as pristine as you might expect from the band. Quite the opposite even. 
The album was produced by Ross Robinson, who is also credited for recording groundbreaking records in the post-hardcore new metal space, like early records of Korn, Slipknot, Deftones, At The Drive-In and many more. Robinson has a reputation for pushing the performance he records to the absolute limits, but don't take this from me, just listen to what he said on an interview with the tape-op. Mainly it's about the psychology of the lyrics and turning it into the deepest expression of that, understanding the meaning of the song. People have this thing about me, that I'll make things crazy and it get violent or out of control, but it's the lyrics that pushes it. The song has its way. A lot of kids will write about hardcore stuff and think that they're cool or something, and I'm like, are you sure you want to sing about this? With me, they actually get to feel what they're writing down, and most of the time it's really brutal and it wears everybody to the ground. I also like to cite Finn McKenty, aka the Punk Rock MBA on this. In his video, where he reflects on his channel after he hit 50k subscribers on YouTube, he says, Whatever it is that you are most insecure about, that is the thing that is gonna make people like you. And I think that ties into music as well. People like when you are authentic. And as a special example, I'd like to highlight the song Flowers and You by Touche Amour from their 2016 album Stage 4. The song, and the whole album really, deals with the death of singer Jeremy Blom's mother. So I want you to listen to this song and pay close attention to the production choices that are made here. The drums and guitars have a lot of reverb attached to them. The bass is pretty loud and clear in the mix, and the vocals are not steady but aggressive and desperate. Is it a cutting-edge production? No. But it's the perfect production to express the frustration, grief and helplessness Blom must have felt and probably still feels about this topic. Another song I'd like to highlight is Second Son of Art by the band Oathbreaker from the album Ria. The song is about Caraton's father with whom she broke contact, so here's the ending part of that song. In an interview with Song Exploder, Cara Torch stresses her insecurity about doing clean singing on the record and about this ending passage. The band said, I didn't have any control over what I was doing when we recorded it. I knew where we were going with it and what the emotion had to be like. At this point, Gilles de Molder, the guitarist, chimes in. It makes people feel uncomfortable if you tell the truth or if you open your heart to somebody. That makes people uncomfortable. I think that shows how a sound and performance that doesn't sound perfect can be a valuable artistic choice to tell a story, to immerse listeners into the story you want to tell, or a statement in and of itself. To be clear, I'm not saying you should release anything you're not happy with, I just want you to carefully consider what you want to convey with the song and what choices you want to make on a technical level. It's easy to get immersed in the editing and fine-tuning process of a song. So it helps to sometimes take a step back and consider the song not just as a flawed performance that needs quantizing, autotune or a clearer mix, but as an expression of emotion and a work of art. Let me leave you with this quote from Leonardo da Vinci himself. Work of art is never finished, it is merely abandoned. And with that we are out of time. Thank you for listening. If you want to follow me on Instagram you can do so at Simon Markwriter and I have a dedicated Facebook page. Bye.